eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined... By the managing editor of uh, Horns 24-7, you know, for now, uh, Taylor Estes. Taylor, I am in Destin, Florida. You would not know it. I'm not on the beach uh, for this this, uh, podcast recording. I'm in my hotel room, but just outside, uh, it is beautiful, white, sandy beaches. The SEC knows how to have spring meetings, I'll tell you that, at the Hilton Sandestin Beach Resort. It is uh, it is something. We had a reception the first night here, um, and it was a who's who of college football. And and so even though Texas is here, President Jay Hartzell, Athletic Director Chris Del Conte, Oklahoma uh, Athletic Director uh, Joe Castiglione, and OU President Joe Harris. Uh, they don't have a vote, but they have been um, in all the meetings and they're taking it all in because uh, next summer they will be voting members of the SEC. It's coming. Um, so buckle up, kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chip, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed you don't have a better background than your uh, your hotel room, <laughs> but, but Chip's and out working beautiful. hard. I got palm trees right outside. I, yeah. I'd open up the window, but I think it'd mess up my lighting. Yeah, I think so too. And um, yeah, you're not there for vacation. I'm coming off vacation. That's why we did not have an episode of the flagship podcast last week. Um, unlike Chip, I actually got to enjoy the beach and the sunny weather, but it was in Cancun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot to get to Chip um, with the SEC meetings and where you're there, so let's let's start with what you think is the the hot topic. I think that's probably the upcoming vote for the conference schedule, right? Yeah, I mean it's been a it's been a long uh, tap dance by the SEC about whether to play eight conference games or nine conference games. And I wrote a week ago in the Insider 
that uh, don't be surprised if it if it's an eight game conference schedule temporarily, meaning in 24 and 25, and then it graduates to a nine game conference schedule in 26. There are a multitude of reasons. I was told ESPN's financial situation with the Walt Disney Company laying off 7,000 people and trying to cut $5.5 billion in costs is a significant factor. Um, also, you've got the, the, the haves and the have-nots in the SEC. The haves don't really seem to care uh, because they are confident that they can handle it. The have-nots, the schools that have finished in the lower half of the SEC, are worried about taking on another loss. Um, and obviously, um, you know, that uh, they're going to – if you add a ninth conference game, you're going to add eight uh, conference losses uh, in the SEC. So um, it's – to me, it's kind of a lot to do about nothing – um, they need to get to nine games, and it sounds like they're going to, but it's just not happening uh, as readily as maybe some thought because this has been going on for a year. So, um, uh, some of these, some of the folks listening to this, the the news will have come out um, because there will be a vote later this week, or not, um, or they'll just leave it the way it is. I mean, it's it's I'm learning in the SEC anything kind of goes, but, um, you know, the SEC is this all powerful, uh, the biggest, brightest, shiniest, strongest, most dangerous, um, you know, what, uh, 13 national champions in the last 17 years in football. And, and yet the, the politics of the SEC can be uh, a little cumbersome. So it's kind of like the wizard of Oz. You, you come to these meetings and you hear about the all powerful Oz and then you pull back the curtain and there's kind of, you know, like people running around trying to figure it all out. So, um, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm learning, but, um, yeah, this has been, this has taken way too long and they need to get to nine games. And I'll tell you why Taylor, I mean, from a Texas and OU perspective, it really hurts them to go to eight because they have their neutral site rivalry game. And if you go to eight games, it means that Texas is going to have three conference home games uh, in a given year and then four conference home games in a given year. And because that neutral site game counts as a home game uh, in odd number of years for Texas and even numbered years for OU. And, and that, you know, that means that, they better have some really good SEC opponents in the year that they only have three conference opponents. And, you know, with Texas having played a nine game conference schedule in the big 12, they've been able to ensure four conference home games uh, and a balanced schedule for the season ticket holders um, since what, for the last 11 years. So um, Texas would have to go out and hurry and schedule teams. They're not going to, Chris Del Conte said they're not going to schedule one double A teams. So they'll have to find, you know, those um, UTSAs and Texas States, UTEPs in there uh, to fill out the schedule. And and so, you know, it's uh, it, it's going to be good when we finally get the SEC uh, teams coming into Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we know how excited everyone got last year for Alabama. Um, so the question is, who's Texas going to get? Because uh, if they go with that eight-game conference schedule format, it'll be one annual opponent. That'll be OU. And then seven rotating opponents. And when they finally go to nine, it sounds like it would be the 3-6 model where you get three annual opponents and six rotating opponents. And Texas's three annual opponents would be OU, A&M, and Arkansas. And that, I don't care what Texas fans say about whether they care about playing A&M again or Arkansas again, they're going to get tickets to those games and they're going to yeah. watch and make an appointment. And it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you have not read the insider that we released Thursday morning, definitely check it out. But uh, a little blurb of it, Chip, Texas A&M athletic director, uh, Ross Bjork seems to be pretty confident that when Texas and Texas A&M do meet again, that it will be the first meeting in, at Kyle Field in College Station. Sounds like there might be differing opinions based off what Chris Del Conte told you. Uh, what, what's the latest with that? Well, I'm convinced that Greg Sankey um, probably told A&M Chancellor John Sharp as an olive branch because A&M did not want Texas in the SEC and the, and the SEC met without A&M in the room to get Texas and OU into the conference and and AM was blindsided by the whole thing. And I'm sure it was an olive branch from Sankey to Chancellor John Sharp that, hey, don't you worry. Uh, when that first meeting happens, it'll be in College Station. Um, Chris Del Conte hasn't heard anything about it. So he's like, uh, this is news to me. And Greg Sankey <laughs> was asked about it and he said, uh, you know, I, I haven't released the schedule. Um, you'll know when we release the schedule. So kind of that Wizard of Oz type of stuff. But I don't doubt that A&M has been told that they're going to host the first um, meeting of, of the 100-year rivalry uh, when it resumes after it ended in College Station in 2011 with Justin Tucker kicking a 40-yard field goal to, to break A&M hearts. But um, it's kind of the, you know, worst kept secret going on here at SEC meetings. And um, and so, you know, A&M saying all the right things. Jimbo Fisher was asked, who would you want your annual opponent to be in an eight game conference schedule? And he said, Texas, fully knowing that Texas is going to keep OU as its annual opponent because of the Red River shootout. So Jimbo looks like the guy taking the high road there um, said he'd like Texas over LSU when all we've heard from A&M the last decade is how much they love playing LSU and don't miss playing Texas on Thanksgiving. But that's what rivalries are all about. That's what the passion's all about. I can't wait for that game to resume. It's, it's just one of those, um, you know, absolutely mark your calendar for the year and, and wait every year until those two teams meet so that the water cooler talk between Texas fans and A&M fans and who owns who, who has scoreboard, um, you know, it, it, that those conversations go on all year. That's how much that football game means. Yeah, I'm just excited for that game to come back, regardless of where the first meeting is. Um, and also, you know, I, I think Jimbo Fisher kind of understands what it's like to be in a situation where, I mean, I know that Texas and 
and um, Texas A&M are going to be in the same conference. But, you know, when he was at Florida State, even though they weren't in the same conference, they still played Florida. You know, uh, they still kept those rivalries going. So it wouldn't be surprising if he's been kind of championed for that rivalry in general, whether it was in the SEC or uh, non-conference. But I think that Steve Sarkeesian's made his uh, his remarks pretty clear about wanting that game to resume. And it's good for college football. Like, let's let's be real about it. I know there are differing opinions on both sides. And as you said, you know, it may sit here and say that, you know, Texas fans may say they don't want to play Texas A&M and vice versa. But at the end of the day, they're, they, they spend the whole offseason talking about each other. It's like, yes, you do. Like, deep down, yes, you do. Like, you want – think back to when you had those – whether you're an A&M fan or a Texas fan, you had those gotcha, like, you know, and talk trash for a whole year after whoever wins a game. I mean, that's what makes college football so special, I think, and so unique, you know, not like the pros. You don't get that type of passion. And, I, I mean, the sooner that game comes back, I think the better for college football and who cares – where it is. I just want it to be home and home. Like no more Texas has their neutral site. It's a very unique, um, you know, setup. And there I've actually been asked a lot this week from other people, like, why did Texas know you really want to be at the state fair? And it's like, well, if you've never been to the game, you're the ones asking those questions because it's such a unique environment there. But, you know, Texas doesn't have a rivalry game at home and bringing A&M back is the perfect rivalry game, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I was able to, break the news here at SEC meetings after talking to Oklahoma Athletic Director Joe Castiglione that Texas and OU will renew their contract with the State Fair of Texas, which expires in 25. Uh, but they'll they'll start talking early about extending that contract. And uh, Castiglione would not go into detail because he hasn't talked, uh, he and Del Conte haven't talked to the State Fair directly, but they they are always seeking to improve the quote-unquote fan amenities at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, for those who've been to that game, they know the bathrooms are uh, a little dicey at the aging Cotton Bowl, but um, uh, and they've added concession stands over the years. In 2008, they added uh, 30,000 seats by filling in the upper deck of the Cotton Bowl. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a classic um, it's, it's not, it's not great, no, but the scene <laughs> overcomes the, the, uh, the lack of, of, uh, stadium amenities there at the cotton bowl. Uh, and it's all, all about dividing the seating at the 50 yard line. It's, it's like none other. And so, uh, that makes me happy that they're going to, to keep that game at, in the state fair of Texas yeah. and Taylor, I got to say, um, there's been a lot of talk this week at SEC meetings about Steve Sarkeesian hiring uh, former Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ as a special assistant on offense. Now, Paul Christ, um, for those who follow college football, um, they know that Paul Christ is a is a diehard run the football guy, a, a pound it between the tackles guy, uh, um, you know, not, loves big hulking offensive linemen. Uh, loves jumbo sets uh, and loves to run the football. He had Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin who ran for almost 2000 yards in three straight seasons. He ran for 1977 yards as a freshman and over 2000 yards as a sophomore and junior before going to the NFL. Um, and Paul Christ won 72% of his games in eight years at Wisconsin before getting fired uh, mid season last year. 
And it, it was perplexing to just about everyone. Um, but there it was a new athletic director at Wisconsin who um, clearly wanted his own guy. But, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian bringing in Paul Christ is, is fascinating because we've been talking on the flagship podcast kind of all offseason since the Alamo Bowl. Uh, and since the NFL draft with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson moving on, how is Texas going to run the football? And is Steve Sarkeesian going to stick with the run, be patient with the run uh, after giving up on the run too early, in my opinion, uh, in games last year against Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, TCU, um, and and was rewarded when he when he went to the run in the fourth quarter against Kansas State and Baylor and, and Kansas, the whole game against Kansas. So um, I think this is fascinating. I, and I give Steve Sarkeesian a ton of credit for bringing in um, a really strong-minded, running-minded, uh, offensive uh, mind like Paul Christ. And so um, how about the special assistance that Steve Sarkeesian's added uh, just in the last month, Paul Christ from Wisconsin, Joe D. Camillus, one of the top special teams coaches in the NFL for the last 30 years, won a Super Bowl, won two Super Bowls, but won a Super Bowl with the Rams two years ago and was a featured speaker at the UT Coaches Clinic two seasons ago. And uh, and then um, Payet Sadat, who comes in from Portland State, kind of an unconventional defense guy, ran the double eagle flex at Army. Uh, from 2009 to 2013, uh, those you know that double eagle flex is kind of based in Dick Tomey's Desert Swarm defense from the early 90s. So this is, uh, you know, kudos to Steve Sarkeesian. We were wondering why, what's going on with these special assistants? Well, he waited and got he got some big time dudes. So uh, another another reason to be excited about Texas football. Uh, going into this 2023 season. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, I think there's been a lot of questions among Texas fans too, about why is it that they haven't filled these roles? I mean, these, these roles have been open since January and, you know, Steve Sarkeesian took his time in hiring them, but it, I would say from an outside perspective, if, if you're a Texas fan, you're probably wondering, well, is he offering these jobs and people aren't taking, you know, you, it's easy to kind of go down those little like, rabbit holes of like what ifs and the fact that he was able to get Paul Chris I think is huge I mean you know losing Gary Patterson was a big deal last year for the defensive special assistant um and you know I know there are some people that may give Gary Patterson all the credit for the improvement you did see on defense I would think Gary Patterson would be the first one to say no it, it wasn't just me but having that veteran set of eyeballs as a former head coach that was a defensive minded head coach definitely helped out the defense. And if you're a Texas fan, I think that's what you're hoping happens for the offense. I mean, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, there's no denying he is a fantastic offensive mind. Um, one of the best in the sport, I would say. And, but there were times in games, you know, as a play caller, as a head coach, where sometimes you were wondering, is he listening to anybody is, you know, who is he relying on to help him out? Because there's so many different moving parts that a head coach has to pay attention to um, aside from just calling the offense. I mean, you know, he's not allowed to go huddle up with the, or he doesn't have the time really to go huddle up with the offense when the defense is on the field. Cause he's got to watch the defense. He's got to see what's going on there too. And so I think, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how, how Steve Sarkeesian, um, 
accepts the other voices, I think, in the room, if he does, you know, because I think it's pretty clear in some of the losses, you know, last season, you're wondering if he's just on an island in his head, in his own mind, is he listening to what anybody is saying in the headset? Because there were some questionable play calls. There were some times where, you know, uh, there were just instances where the details, I think, later as the games wore on, were kind of overlooked by the head coach as the offensive play caller. And I think if you're if you're a Texas fan, you're hoping that Paul Chris will be able to make the type of um, impact that Gary Patterson did to the defense just on the opposite side of the ball now. Yeah, I mean, I think Paul Christ is a guy who, because of his success, yeah. um, I think is a guy who Steve Sarkeesian will listen to. I, I keep going back to this. Um, I keep going back to Sonny Dykes last year talking about how Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator at TCU, um, TCU fell behind in, in a lot of games last year, including games they won against Oklahoma State, Kansas State during the regular season. Um, and Sonny Dykes said, uh, don't you think we need to throw the ball here? And Garrett Riley said, no, we're good, and stayed patient with the running game. Stayed patient with the running game against Texas when, when Texas was doing a great job defensively, and then they finally broke one long run by Kendra Miller and it helped, you know, kind of give TCU separation in that game. Um, and and there are times where you gotta you gotta stick with the run, even when it's not not working for you, because eventually you're probably gonna break one, especially when you have guys like Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson. Um, and and so I thought Texas got away from the run in that TCU game last year, and certainly first and goal from the two, first and goal from the five. And no touches for Bijan Robinson against TCU in the second half uh, was frustrating. And so, can Paul Christ be that sounding board for Steve Sarkeesian in game? I think is going to be really interesting. So, because he can't have a microphone, right? He can have right. a headset, but you can't have a microphone. But he can be on the field, like Gary Patterson was on the field. Right, and he doesn't even need to. You know, you don't even need to have a headset. He can just walk over to Sark and tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, stay, stick with it here. You know, stick with the running game here. Or let's try this run. Or I, I'm i seeing their their uh, uh, their defense looks like it's weak over here. And, and, and he'll help with all that in, you know, in helping to develop a, a running game plan um, by studying the opponents like Gary Patterson did, and he'll have those ideas going into the game. But the key is, like you said, a guy who Steve Sarkeesian trusts, uh, who he'll listen to in game. Because, look, Steve Sarkeesian's offense in the first half has been outstanding pretty much since he got here. Uh, it's the second half where Texas has had leads, lost those leads, um, kind of developed a reputation for giving away second half leads his, you know, the five and seven season and until they beat K-State last year. And remember they were up 31 10 against K-State at halftime, got outscored 17 to three in the second half. They won that game uh, because Bijan Robinson ran it 30 times for 209 yards. And because the defense forced a fumble late as K-State was driving um, for a potentially tying touchdown. So, um, I think this is going to be fascinating. And 
Um, I'm, I give Steve Sarkeesian a lot of credit for, for bringing in Paul Christ. It shows that Steve Sarkeesian, it doesn't, you know, he wants other voices. He doesn't think he has all the answers. It's what's, it's what Nick Saban's been doing at Alabama uh, in terms of bringing in former head coaches who, um, who want to learn about Alabama's culture as well. I'm sure Paul Chris wants to learn about Steve Sarkeesian uh, and how he game plans the passing game and complements the running game. Um, just like Gary Patterson wanted to come and see how Texas was recruiting and how they ran practice. These, these coaches take these analyst jobs um, so that they can learn and grow too for their next, uh, for their next opportunity. So, um, you know, Joe D. Camillus, here's a guy 30 years in the NFL has worked nonstop for 30 years, keeps getting hired uh, by teams. And like I said, won two Super Bowls. He has so much respect for Jeff Banks that he wants to come and see how Banks does it. And Banks gets a chance to see how one of the best in the NFL does it. Um, and even if it's only for a year, who knows? Uh, it's, it's a great learning experience for, for all involved. So, um, and they're usually getting paid by yeah. another team. That's like, what I was going to say. Yeah, they stay relevant with the ability to still be able to collect a lot of times their full buyout. If it's, I imagine Paul Chris had to buy. I don't know the details. Again, I was in uh, Cancun, so I may have had a little bit too many pina coladas or something. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's a way to stay relevant. It's a way to you know learn, as you said. And I think if you're a Texas fan, Chip, I think you look at this. And this is more than just Texas adding special assistance to add special assistance. This is, I think, a very positive sign for the fact that these coaches want to be at Texas. Look at what Nick Saban has done with his special assistants or analysts or, you know, uh, QCs, whatever they are at Alabama. And then look at where they've gone on to be. Steve Sarkeesian was one of the people who was in that position on Nick Saban's staff was given the opportunity to be the offense coordinator. Now he's the head coach at Texas. I mean, I'm not trying to say that Texas is anywhere close to being in a Saban type of factory, like what he has built and kind of being the landing spot for former head coaches to, you know, stay relevant before they get their next opportunity. But I think that the fact that Gary Patterson, you know, longtime head coach, um, you know, definitely going to be, I think, in the College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, the guy walked to work at TCU, passed a statue of himself because of what he did to that program. Paul Chris, as you said, 72% winning percentage. The fact that those type of coaches are wanting to come to Texas under Steve Sarkeesian staff, who is a little bit still an unproven head coach. I think that speaks volumes for the respect that these coaches have, not just for the university of Texas, but for Steve Sarkeesian. And that's a good sign because it's, it's worked well, extremely well for Nick Saban at Alabama. Again, I'm not trying to say it's exactly, you know, toe to toe or anything close to what Nick Saban's done at Alabama, but if this continues, that's what it's going to turn into. And it just shows the level of respect that um, these, these really well-known coaches long, you know, very successful coaches in their career have for Steve Sarkeesian. And I think you have to take that as a win if you're a Texas fan and hope that continues because it shows the program's headed in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, um, Steve, Steve Sarkeesian had a chance to have a firsthand look at how Nick Saban incorporated the, as one source told me this week here, the, his, uh, fired 
coaches association there at Alabama. Um, and, and kudos to Steve Sarkeesian for trying to replicate what Nick Saban has done. Now, as you said, Steve Sarkeesian needs to, to break through and, and win and get, you know, get into a conference championship game and win it. And he'll be cemented as, as a conference championship coach. I mean, Wisconsin won uh, three conference championships. Gary Patterson won six uh, in his time at TCU. Steve Sarkeesian has yet to win a conference championship as a head coach. Um, obviously, he was at Washington and USC, uh, and now he's in his third year at Texas. And as I've repeatedly said, the the championship coaches usually reveal themselves within the first three years, and here we are. So um, I do think this is a, a reason to to be excited if you're a Longhorn fan um, because Steve Sarkeesian is, is bringing in really intelligent, successful voices into, into the um, football complex. So um, it's going to be fun. Uh, Taylor, some big news also. For basketball, um, last night, news coming down that Dylan Mitchell, uh, the talented freshman who was in the NBA draft process, is going to withdraw his name from the draft and return to Texas. This is a little bit of an upset because Dylan Mitchell actually had probably a better than most people think um, NBA combine, he hit 16 of 25 threes when he was shooting from the five different racks around the arc. And this is a guy who didn't attempt a single three-pointer last season at Texas. And I'll give credit to, to Rodney Terry. I wrote a, about this uh, a bit in the Insider uh, this week that they did a good job of staying connected to Dylan Mitchell and and you know letting them know how they thought that Dylan Mitchell could be used differently as a sophomore than he was used as a freshman. And, and Dylan Mitchell is trusting Rodney Terry and this coaching staff to be the ones to help him develop into what I'm sure he hopes is a first round NBA draft pick because he was getting interest as a second round draft pick. And I was told if he had a guarantee from a team, uh, to be a second round pick, he'd probably stay in the draft. So this is this is a, a good win um, in re-recruiting or recruiting his own player for Rodney Terry, especially after some tough news this week that Caleb Love, the North Carolina guard, uh, had committed to Arizona. I wasn't crazy about the Caleb Love recruitment. I was a little more interested in the, the Cam Spencer recruitment. Cam Spencer, 6'4 guard from Rutgers who could really shoot it. He's not as athletic as Caleb Love, and I know Ronnie Terry liked the athleticism and the ability to get up and down the floor and, and you know, really get after people defensively. Um, and Caleb Love commits to Arizona. Cam Spencer announces he's going to visit four schools, none of them named Texas. So getting Dylan Mitchell, um, you know, back is, is significant. And if you look at the starting five for Rodney Terry, it's good. Uh, Tyrese Hunter, Max A. Smith, the transfer from Oral Roberts, led the nation in scoring as a sophomore. Uh, Kendall Weaver from UT Arlington, a really big upside guy with long six foot three, but a six seven wingspan. Will defend, will do anything. Um, and then you bring in Caden Shedrick from 
from Virginia, 6'11 guy who can who wants to do a little bit more offensively than what he was allowed to do at UVA. You get Dylan DeZue back and, um, you know, they bring in a transfer from UTEP who's a good hustle guy, garbage man. Um, so, you know, this is they, – they need to add another guard or two, but this is uh, – that, that was a good piece of news for Rodney Terry and the Texas basketball team. Yeah. Say, go ahead. Especially coming off, you know, Max A. Smith's uh, trans- uh, news coming to Texas. He was one of the top prospects in the transfer portal because um, he led the nation in scoring, right, last last season? As yeah. a sophomore. So yeah. So. The last three seasons, he averaged uh, 23 points per game. He's a graduate transfer. He'll he'll have one year at Texas, but I mean, this is a guy who can absolutely light it up. You know, Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith nicknamed him Midcourt Max because he'll pull up from the logo. Uh, he's he's a little he's fearless when it comes mm-hmm. to shooting the basketball, and he he's a 40 percent shooter from three. So even though he's shooting from 27, 29 um feet he's he's making them so that's gonna be a fun team to watch um coming into this next season Rodney Terry's first season as the head coach and by the way down here at SEC meetings of course I saw Chris Beard who's now the head coach at Ole Miss and when I went up to him and said hey um any you know anything you want to say reflecting back on how things ended at Texas he said no sir um all good moving forward God is good um, and it lost some weight. And so um, Chris Beard is uh, is going to be going head to head with Rodney Terry here uh, in a year or so once uh, they're both in the SEC. And of course, Rick Barnes is still at Tennessee. So uh, that that will be interesting on the basketball side of things. And uh, Taylor, Texas baseball. Um, oh, boy. I mean, here we go. Uh, Texas baseball, the bullpen has been an issue all year, and now it's even more of an issue uh, because three of their top relievers will not be available uh, for regional play when Texas takes on Louisiana on Friday. Um, you've got uh, Heston Toll, the Arkansas transfer, who's now out injured. He's the righty. David Shaw, their best lefty reliever, uh, is also injured and not available. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, just if, if Texas wasn't getting, uh, you know, bad news, they wouldn't be getting any news at all. So uh, Texas starting pitching is going to have to, to carry this team and the hitting. And that's what we saw from them against West Virginia. Um, and they're going to have to find a way to do it again because uh, it, you know, Louisiana is kind of the opposite. Their bullpen is amazing and their starting pitching isn't great. So Texas needs to jump on these starting, you know, jump on the starting pitching Friday um, and hope that that Louisiana, hope that they get a big enough lead on Louisiana that they don't bring in their ace reliever, Cooper Rawls, uh, because that guy is a monster and you don't want to see him uh, coming out of the bullpen. And he's a long reliever. He'll go five innings. Um, if let's just put it that way, if, if Cooper Rawls is in the game and Louisiana's tied or in the lead, it's probably going to be a tough, a tough go for Texas. And that's just their first round yeah. uh, game of the regional. They, you know, if they win, they probably face, uh, the Miami hurricanes, the host of that regional. So, um, tough, tough news, but who knows, 
David Pierce, this team's been resilient. Few people thought that they'd be able to sweep West Virginia and get a share of the Big 12 title. They did, and so now they now they need to pull off another little piece of magic. Yeah, get hot when you need to. Get hot when you need to. All right, listen, <laughs> um, for those of you who are members of Horns247.com, um, we had some news today, uh, including our our co-host here, Taylor Estes. Uh, Taylor is going to be, um, well, she's accepted a big promotion in the 24-7 sports network. Uh, you're going to be what they call a tier leader, where you're actually overseeing multiple sites, not just uh, Hornstone, not just being the managing editor of one site. You're going to be overseeing the operations of multiple sites. This is a a great promotion for you, a well-deserved promotion. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and Mike Roach, our uh, recruiting uh, coordinator, if you will, recruiting director at Horns 24-7, is also uh, taking a more expanded role covering uh, recruiting sort of, well, regionally in the state of Texas and even neighboring states um, for 24-7 sports. He'll still be involved, you know, posting. I mean, he's going to be reporting on kids that are going to have uh, some connection to the Longhorns at different points. Um, but uh, we are bringing in some some new young uh, stars, if you will, rising stars, and uh, including Eric Henry, uh, who's going to be joining our team coverage. He's been... Um, you know, covering uh, Conference USA for SB Nation and uh, and is, you know, a really talented hustler, uh, reporter, and Hank South, who's been covering Alabama recruiting um, for 24-7 sports, who actually is from Texas and lives in Austin. Yeah, is Texas now, grad too. A Texas grad is going to be joining us here at Horns 24-7 uh, to team up with Hudson Standish. And and also uh, Jordan Scruggs, a you know young gun, uh, who's just loves covering recruiting, loves covering recruiting, you know for about Texas and and so um, you know that's exciting to you know if you're gonna lose people like Taylor and you're gonna lose people like Mike Roach that you know you bring in um, some young hungry talent to to help myself, Jeff Howe, um, Hudson Standish and, and Tommy Yarish keep the, you know, keep feeding the the beast, keep feeding the insiders here at horns 24 seven. So Taylor, congratulations. Thank and, you. Uh, thanks for all the hard work and thanks for, you know, everything you've done here at horns 24 seven. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I'm really excited. Like it's a little bittersweet, you know, because we've built this, it, if, if people knew behind the scenes how much work we've all put into building Horns 24-7 into one of the top, you know, team sites in the 24-7 Sports Network, you would probably be like, whoa, I didn't realize all that went into it. So um, I'm really proud of what we did. And uh, I actually don't – I was wondering if I may have to relocate to Nashville. I don't have to, so I still will be around these parts in Austin. But, um, you know, I think that the Horns 24-7 staff is adding some – really talented 
you know, up and covers off, obviously Hank South. I know he's been covering Alabama recruiting, but he's been doing so from Austin. He's lived in Austin the whole time that he's been covering that. Alabama recruiting. So he has tons of ties in the state of Texas already. Obviously, Alabama has done a really good job of recruiting in the state of Texas, um, you know, whether Texas fans like it or not. But he, he has those ties and, you know, having Mike Roach also still be in the state, you know, I, I, his, you know, his work is, I don't even have to prove it. You know, he it's it speaks for itself, you know, so um, he'll still be around, too. And I, I may pop in every now and again. We're not exactly sure with the flag, flagship podcast. Uh, we might continue doing it together just since um, someone's got to keep Chip on his toes, you know, and uh, it's not the easiest job sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Chip. But no, I'm super excited. I mean, this has been, uh, I would say, something that I probably would not have expected the type of promotion to, you know, come down or be offered to me until I was probably in my forties or later on in my career. So the fact that it was presented um, at this point in my career, I was like, well, I'd be kind of an idiot to turn this one down, you know? So, um, and I, I'm super excited, um, very pumped and very feel grateful that people believed in me, honestly, to present this opportunity to me, but I wouldn't be in this position without you, Chip, and without, our Horns 24-7 staff and all of the work we've done. And uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what this fresh new blood brings to the Horns 24-7 team. And I, I know it's going to be in great hands and continue to thrive. But um, and I'll still pop in. Don't worry. So I just want the good thing is for all those I've had to like, you know, ban over the years because you lose your mind a little bit after a loss. Like I won't be the one having to do it. Like I'll be like, sorry, like <laughs> I might be chiming in on those game threads. Who knows? I don't know, but <laughs> no, I'm super excited for what the future holds. Well, that's, uh, that's funny actually. Um, <laughs> hey, but we're not done yet. Let's get I'm gonna start uh, trolling you. I'm going to start trolling you on the message. Oh, good. <laughs> that's what I need. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's get to some love it or leave it. All right. Um, before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a very quick break, but stay tuned. We have plenty more Texas football talk and uh, intel from SEC meetings coming up. We'll be right back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Chip, my first love it or leave it. You ready? Ready. 
All right. Love it or leave it. Hiring former Wisconsin coach Paul Christ as a special assistant on offense gives you renewed confidence in Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach. Um, renewed confidence. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll love this. Um, you know, normally you'd like to see how it plays out a little bit, but on paper, I just like the fact that Steve Sarkeesian is bringing in a guy who is a proven winner, uh, again, won 72% of his games at Wisconsin in an eight-year run there at Wisconsin, is you know a, a real diehard running the football offensive mind. Uh, and with Texas losing Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, my biggest question has been how, how is Texas going to run the football uh, in 2023? I, I like Jonathan Brooks, but it's – Steve Sarkeesian going to stay patient with the run. Even with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson last year, he, he was a little too impatient with the run for me at times um, in the TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech games. So, you know, ideally you hope Paul Christ is that guy that Steve Sarkeesian can lean on uh, in-game, trust what he's hearing back from uh, Paul Christ and – and and maybe help fill in a blank where Steve Sarkeesian uh, needs a little nudge here and there. So I'll I'll say that I, I love this and and kind of just give Sarkeesian you know benefit of the doubt and credit for for bringing in a a really talented successful coach like Paul Christ. How about you, Taylor? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, I guess, renewed confident. Like, I, I've been confident in Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach. There's still things that he's got to prove, but I, I do like what he's done at Texas. I like the culture he's brought to Texas. I like the way they've been recruiting since he arrived here. And and I like his kind of very open, no coach speak BS type of approach with things. You know, I mean, it's hard to do that, I think, in today's, uh, you know, college football especially with like the transfer portal with NIL, all of that type of stuff. You know, he's, he's done a really good job of keeping the guys on campus that they want to keep on campus. And, um, you know, so I haven't lost confidence in him at all, but I do think that this is a really big positive. I think that this, you know, it's kind of a TBD, right? Because we have to see how much he will rely on some of the assistant coaches that he has brought in, but a guy like Paul Chris, his resume speaks for himself for itself. And I, I do think that, um, this probably uh, was a product of Sark, you know, reflecting back on how he needs to improve as a head coach. And so, yeah, I think that this is a good thing. So I'm going to love this and say like, it gives me more confidence, I think, in Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach and recognizing that there might be some areas where he needs help and that's okay. You know, it, it doesn't mean that you're a failure in any way, shape or form. I mean, that some of the most successful people rely on others to get to where they are and continue to rely on them who they trust. And so, you know, if this is a, a guy that Sark trusts, a guy that can help him maybe not abandon the run too early, then that's a it's a good thing. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna love this one too. All right, love it or leave it number two. All right, second one, love it or leave it. Oklahoma athletic director Joe Castiglione telling you Texas and OU will renew their contract with the State Fair of Texas is the best news you've heard at SEC meetings. It's the best news I've heard so far. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, with all the tap dancing about the eight versus nine conference game schedule, it's like, just make a decision, will you? Um, 
Yeah, I'm listen. I I love this because anyone who follows me knows how much I love this game. How how much I think this is the best game day atmosphere in sports. Uh, and how anyone I don't care if you're a fan of of Southern Cal or the Miami Hurricanes, you need to go to this game. This is one of those bucket list sporting experiences that you need to live through, especially if you're just a college football fan because of um, these passionate fan bases sitting on opposite sides of the stadium, yelling at each other. Um, If you are lucky enough to sit near the 50 yard line where you're literally right across the aisle uh, from the other fan base, it's, it's unbelievable uh, the atmosphere. So yes, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to love it. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to love it so far right now. If the SEC comes out and says they're going to do a nine game conference schedule starting, you know, immediately, then I would say that might trump it. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this game, if, if, as Chip said, if you haven't gone to this game, whether you like Texas, whether you like Oklahoma, whether you hate both teams or anything, you should go. I mean, to put it into perspective, my husband's an Aggie, like doesn't he, he'll root for Texas. I think a lot of it had to do with um, <laughs> watching me have to work a long hours after losses and dealing with uh, angry fans. So maybe that played into it, but obviously has no allegiance to the University of Texas. Doesn't never been a fan of Oklahoma. He went to one of those games. I basically forced him while we were dating and he left saying, OK, Yes, you're right. That is one of the coolest games I've ever seen in my entire life. And he's an Aggie and he said that. And so that is that is how big this game is. And I know the the facilities, the or you know, the the stadium itself may not be great. I'll tell you the press box is not great. It's the AT&T Cotton Bowl, yet sometimes we're like, why don't we have internet? This is weird. You know, <laughs> like, I have no phone signal. The Wi-Fi doesn't work. The even hardwiring in is not working type of thing, but still just it's, there's nothing like it. So um, as long as this game stays at the state fair of Texas, I will be definitely a happy person chip. So I'm going to love that too. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three. All right. Final one, love it or leave it as regional play is set to begin. Texas baseball appears to have used up all its mojo in sweeping West Virginia to gain a share of the big 12 regular season title. Yeah. I mean, it was, it sure seemed like that at the Big 12 tournament, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to leave this because my man Dylan Campbell has a 35 game hitting streak. Texas has six guys, you know, batting over 300. They fielded a 980 clip, and this team has dug deep and come through, uh, kind of when you least expected at times. Um, I think we sure expected a lot more out of Texas at the Big 12 tournament, but um, it didn't happen. Still, though, this Texas team, after what they did against West Virginia, you know the top of that lineup uh, can get after you. And Louisiana kind of sets up because their starting pitching isn't great. It kind of sets up for Texas. Like, I kind of expect those bats to come alive again and – Texas to have good starting pitching. And even though they've got major questions now in their bullpen with injuries, um, 
what DJ Burke is in the transfer portal. He's a young guy in the bullpen uh, who's given them some good innings. It's I'm going to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give those bats the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to leave this Taylor. Uh, It might be foolish, but we've seen it from this team. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to leave this and say they might have a little more mojo left for the, for the regional. Uh, How about you? Yeah, I'm going to leave it too. And I will say this with the big 12 tournament, obviously you don't want to ever lose games per se, but like TCU played four games in four days. Like, do you want to do that right before a regional? No, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that, yeah, it didn't look good, but I don't think it's a bad thing that Texas didn't go deep into the big 12 tournament because I feel like it's just added wear and tear on your body before the real, the real games truly begin. So um, I'm going to leave it. I, I don't think that who knows, they may prove us wrong. And, you know, we may look like homers and saying that they have some mojo left, but um, I, I think they've had some time to rest, you know, um, not having to play all four days of the big 12 tournament. So yeah, I'm going to say there's some mojo left and um, I'm going to leave that one too. All right, folks. Um, there you have it. There you have it. There's this week's uh, edition of the flagship podcast. Again, uh, big congrats to Taylor Estes. And um, and we'll be back. We'll we'll yeah. keep it going here on the on the flagship pod. Don't uh, don't go anywhere. Make sure you're subscribed to Horns twenty four seven, the YouTube channel, and make sure you're an annual member at Horns twenty four seven dot com so you get access VIP access to all the team sites on the preeminent twenty four seven sports network. And we have a 60% off special currently going for new members. So definitely uh, get on that. You'll have, you get for 60% off, get the whole football season, basketball season, you know, leading up to baseball season of 2024 even too. So you definitely want to jump on, in on perfect, that. Perfect timing, right? Perfect. As Texas maybe, and um, well, they probably are entering the most important football season they've had in the last 30 years, trying to keep the momentum going uh, and break through for their first conference title since 2009 as they prepare to head off to the SEC. I'm going to jump back into these SEC meetings real quick, but um, until next time, everybody, thanks for listening. Stay safe and keep the faith. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.